Happy holidays and welcome to the new episode of Close Talking. This week we explore the classic poem, Still I Rise, by the legendary Maya Angelou. Enjoy! We get close and go far. Welcome to another thrilling episode of Close Talking with Jack Rossiter Munley and Connie McNamara Stratton. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Two men, six names, one love of poetry. <laughs> um, yeah. Connor is an MFA student at the University of Minnesota. Minnesota. And I have a USB microphone. And is a freelance writer based in New York City. He writes for Troll Tennis. He loves Roger Federer. He has two cats. He also loves Bruce Springsteen. Oh, man. Yeah. We're going to talk about Bruce Springsteen on one of these podcasts. I'm warning you now, faithful listeners, of whom there are some. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, hopefully by this point we'll have one or two. There are annoying poems, I'm sure there are, about Roger Federer, uh, but the poetry of his motion cannot be adequately discussed by us. That's true. You should just watch it. Uh, once he's done being injured, so I don't want to talk about that. Uh, But we will, in all likelihood, be discussing at least a verse of a Bruce Springsteen song at some point, because I can't not. It's like my obligation to humanity. I feel like it's Uh, already happened. I have definitely written something um, (laughs) about Bruce and literature and things. So that's a little besides the point. Today we are here to talk about Still I Rise by Maya Angelou. So I selected the poem. Jack, I'm going to read it. Still I rise. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Because I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room? Just like moons and like suns, with the certainty of tides, just like hopes springing high, still, I'll rise. Did you want to see me broken? Bowed head and lowered eyes? Shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries? Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awful hard? Cause I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You may shoot me with your words, you may cut me with your eyes, you may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like air, I'll rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise that I dance like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? Out in the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I'm a black ocean, Leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I rise, I rise, I rise. It's a classic. It is a classic. I picked this poem because Um, it is a classic. Yeah. Um, and it is pretty clearly a classic for a reason. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, but yeah, I picked it because it has actually shown up a couple of places recently, and I'm always interested when poetry 
sort of hops over into popular culture. And I feel like this poem, largely because of its really positive message, it's very sort of clearly laid out what's going on in the poem. It's uh, the fact I'll rise or I rise is a really easy refrain to get behind. Uh, recently, returning to tennis appropriately enough, Serena Williams tied Steffi Graf's all-time Grand Slam record for a woman, which is higher than the men's. So. 22, right? 22. Serena Williams is so good. She is insanely good. It's kind of, I mean, it's amazing, but at this point it's like hard to be amazed because she's been doing it for like yeah. 16 years or something. But it's completely ridiculous. I'll keep watching. Years. It's yeah. great. She's great. Never stop, Serena, if you're listening. And also, if you're listening, whoa. Uh, <laughs> dang. <laughs> but anyway, after she won her record-tying 22nd Grand Slam singles title, by the way, after winning that, she then went on to win doubles with her sister. So in as the same so, day. In the same day. That so she was... finished winning her match, did all of the like, oh, I won everything, I'm the best. Like all the press tour and everything, yeah. then went back on court and won doubles with her sister that... to just sort of complete her perfection. It's It's ridiculous. That, that was absolutely bonkers she's crazy also her older sister who is pushing like closer to 40 than 30 uh made it to the quarterfinals semifinals oh really one of the two like, it's ridiculous anyway jeez. Oh, after she accomplished this probably before because that's how advertising works but <laughs> after she accomplished this a compilation video of serena williams playing and like being places was put together over her reading still i rise okay which is pretty powerful this poem is like pretty obviously about the experience of being a black woman mm-hmm. and serena has more cause than most to be interested in talking about that not just because she is a black woman but because she is a major figure in popular culture and she's risen up through sport which is traditionally white and male yeah um, and tennis especially and tennis especially because like country clubs and a whole bunch of other nonsense but also it was referenced by cory booker at the democratic national convention in his speech where in my opinion he was trying a little too hard to make a moment uh referenced still i rise as just a general sort of affirmation and a principle for the party to get behind um booker himself is african-american and a big theme of the convention was having the Democratic Party not only step into the void left by the GOP of sort of be because of their, you know, hate fest, just Trumpable, you know, yeah. fucktastic nonsense of the week before, uh, was to step in and be the party of America. And so there was a lot of flags, there was a lot of military, veterans, you know, all sorts of different people to represent that. But it was also about having a message for a big tent. And Booker as a keynote speaker is in some ways doing it because he's pegged by many as the future of the party. Also because he represents in his presence and then went on to do so in his speech, a big tent vision of the country. And I think part of referencing I Rise was a callback to that and not just about, you know, um, like trying to make a moment out of returning to that theme to get people to shout it back, which he was doing a little call and response in itself a feature of the black church so that too is a little bit of a a cultural moment yeah so that that sort of gets at this poem's like contemporary presence right Um, and it's very popular one of the things that booker said when he was starting to get into the i rise section of his speech actually is he kept saying y'all know it 
Yeah. You all know it. Yeah. Because he started the poem, you write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies, and I would bet that that first stanza of the poem is the best known of all of them. Yeah. Because it's super clear, and it's the message that can be for anybody. Yeah. You may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies, you may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust I'll rise. My yeah. Angelou is talking about black women when she says write me down in history with bitter twisted lies, but yeah. that can be like theoretically anybody who's feeling a little yeah. hard done by right well it was interesting we were talking before you you mentioned those two instances of it coming up and you you wanted to bring this poem up because like they this poem often doesn't gets quoted but not in its entirety yes which i think gets at uh an interesting like um the poem gets more specific to what it's talking about when you read the whole thing, but if you just take the first stanza and like the last refrain, then it becomes much more quote-unquote universal sounding. Definitely. Um, and in fact, when Serena reads it in this little, it's about a, two, it's a little over two-minute video of her reading it, she does not read the second verse, which starts right off with, does my sassiness upset you? And I think the trope of the sassy black woman is pretty prevalent, mm -hmm. and that word, much like it used to be uppity, applied to right. african-americans disparagingly is a word that is often used in that specific context of talking about black women right and that's really where the turn in the poem happens yeah so pretty quick. um and it's <laughs> like does my sassiness upset you mm -hmm. why are you so upset why does it beset you with gloom right. is it because i walk with a lot of confidence like i've got oil wells pumping in my living room like <laughs> because i walk like i'm all that is that what you're mad about yeah, yeah. you know which i really would have liked to hear Serena read because I feel like that's where a lot of the criticism of her happens. She's a very confident yeah. person for incredibly good reason because yeah. at the age of 34 she is dominating the women's tennis tour like basically yeah. no one in history and to do that at any age much less when you're like theoretically way beyond your prime is incredible and she yeah. is one of the most amazing athletes in Ever. the history of the game yeah. or like any sport and people should just get used to it but she still has to deal with so much bullshit yeah so much bullshit and as a um, slight side note the book citizen by claudia rankine mm. uh also thinks through a lot of serena williams stuff um very poignantly but also very critically um and is specifically dealing with the way serena williams has been uh you know basically racistly criticized for um, any outburst or anything that's not the most polite thing um, that she's displayed on the court. Um, right. Great book. That's a really good book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's rare that you hear all the stanzas of this poem, which I think is interesting. Uh, in the Serena one, they also, everything from Does My Haughtiness Offend You through the stanza about sexiness is not used. So it really is. Oh, interesting. It's the first verse the third verse and then the final refrain so it's all of the most universal and exciting and uplifting right. parts which you know it's a universal exciting and uplifting moment when you tie one of the greatest all-time yeah. records in your sport but as a moment for serena williams as a popular culture figure a poem about a black woman that takes out the verses that are most explicit yeah. about making it about a black woman and certain aspects of the confidence and the sexual nature of right. an african-american woman and like serena's got it going on and she knows it um <laughs> the fact that that part is not going to get celebrated 
right. is a really interesting erasure. Yeah. Because yeah. those are exactly the elements of Serena's personality and presence that have been the yeah. most challenging. Yeah, I wonder... Um, I mean, I wonder if that was Rena's choice or if she read the whole poem and then someone else edited it out. That would be something to look into. Yeah, um, and I don't know. Yeah. And maybe that that's the version that she was given to read. And, and yeah. No matter what, it's still a Maya Certainly. Angelou poem getting shared millions of times on the yeah. internet yeah. with Serena Williams. So it's, it's not like it's bad. It's just interesting to note. Yeah, um, for sure. Connor earlier was kind enough to mention my upset interest in Bruce Springsteen. Um, <laughs> One of the things that he talked about at Pete Seeger's 90th birthday party at Madison Square Garden is when the two of them were getting ready to perform at Barack Obama's inauguration, which they did, and they sang This Land is Your Land. And so he was talking to Pete Seeger. Pete Seeger at that point started to lose his voice. He was talking to him about how are we going to approach, you know, performing this song because it's a big song, again, much like I Rise, it's a song where everybody knows this land is your land, yeah. this land is my land. Like, it's yeah. it's a campfire song, everybody knows it. Yeah. And Pete Seeger's response to how are we going to approach it is, I don't know, but I want to sing all the verses. Oh, and there are verses in that song that are regularly left out about... Uh, there's a sign that says no trespassing, but the back of that sign doesn't say anything. Yeah. That side was made for you and me. So it's transgressive verse. Yeah. And then another one about uh, the unemployment line. Okay. Uh, And so part of Springsteen's point is that what makes Pete Seeger an interesting figure is that he sings all the verses all the time. Yeah. And I think it's interesting to note when there are these broadly known sort of cultural touchstone artistic statements... Yeah. ...where some of the verses are... Yeah. ...judiciously left out because they are troublesome. Right. And it was interesting to me when these two latest iterations of I Rise came out. It's like pretty conscious erasures of big parts of the poem. Right. Right. Um, Yeah, so this is the um, You May Shoot Me With Your Words stanza out, cut out of there. Or is that one in? I think, I don't remember. Okay. I think it may have gotten taken out, which surprised me because that seemed like another one that would be pretty universal. Yeah. But yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, getting into the poem, I, I mean, I like all of it, but I really like uh, that stanza because one, mm-hmm. I mean, one interesting part is she. I mean, that one gets to it. Like, you may shoot me with your words, you may cut me with your eyes, you may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like, air I'll rise. It's, it is acknowledging in full force that the power of the oppression that the the you is capable of sort of like delivering upon the speaker or Maya Angelou um and and I think that's like that's an important it's I don't know for for some reason that distinction always felt important in that she's never saying none of this affects me or like none of this is you know hurting me but it's like within all that I will still rise up um and and I like that her two similes are but still like dust I'll rise and but still like air I'll rise um and the dust I mean it I mean it works because it comes after you may try me in the very dirt so it's it's coming from uh you know where the you has has put her um but it also is is a it's striking because dust 
is not normally thought of as like you know a, a strong sort of item in the world uh, and you have you know it's often like sort mm-hmm. of a death symbol ash dash dust to dust um, and it's it's a remain that is not thought of it doesn't have much value right right and similarly but still like air arise I mean that's you know an invisible thing but also it's ubiquitous um, it's interesting because there's also this idea that there's sort of great value but it's not with the person so there's like these other touchstones of things that are very valuable, oil wells yeah. in the living room. There's gold in gold. the backyard. Yeah. But that's back at the house. I'm out in the world. Right. Like oh, I'm acting like I've got a place that gives me power and strength. Yeah. And for that I am criticized. For that I am, you know, yeah. being trod in the dirt because I am willing to think that I have confidence right. because I have something that gives me that yeah. confidence or that presence about right. me that you know part of it is acknowledging that that strong negative reaction is against something that you're putting out. Right. Right. Whether it's your very existence or it's your way of moving through the world that's coming from yeah. somewhere and that somewhere is this value that's elsewhere. Yeah. I'm the dust. Right. I I'm not someone that's given value. Right. But I'm acting like it comes from somewhere. Right. And that's really yeah. reacted against. Yeah, no, and that's another cool part. I feel like the those moments are speaking to um, the power of like simile and like metaphor in like a person's life. Cause it's it's kinda like because she doesn't have gold mines, but she doesn't need them, and she's just acting like you know, she has this confidence because she is able to um, put herself somewhere else, like, as in a sort of simile. I don't know. Um, that was just an interesting moment when I read it this time that I, I hadn't thought of. Definitely. Um, well, it's also sort of the idea that there's always, you know, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. If you push me in the dirt, yeah. whenever you push anything in the dirt, dust rises up. Yeah. Whenever you try to force things down, something's going to come right. up. And I think that's also interesting because if you look at everything that has to do with her and mm. all of the things that give her power, oil wells, you drill down and the oil rises mm. up. Gold mines, you drill down mm-hmm. and the gold comes out. Right. Every time you're going down, something right. either personal value, like the dust or the air I rise, right. or material value, the yeah. oil and the gold comes out of the dirt and right. the dust. Right. It's it's coming from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that the the oil wells and the gold mines are just like pumping and digging on their own. Like yeah. no one's like doing any of the work. There's just <laughs> it's there's just, just the gold mines are digging mm-hmm. and you know, she's just got them like It's like that well of confidence. Yeah. It's that well of whatever you got. Yeah. 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 It's cool. It's um, really cool. The one area that also uh, sticks out to me is, did you want to see me broken, bowed head, and lowered eyes? Mm. Because that, to me, reminds me of another very widely used and famous poem, Invictus, Mm. where your head is bloody but unbowed. Right. Interesting. Um, And that poem is all about, a lot of times, white dudes. It was written by a white man, uh, William Ernest Henry, I think is his name. You got it. Henley? Henley? Henley. Okay. William Ernest Henley. So a man with only two first names, not three first names. 
But anyway, so like the yeah. whole the whole point of the poem is like this very universally applicable statement of power and resilience. My head is bloody but unbowed. I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul. Right. Uh, really big, broad language. Right. And to me, you know, my head is bloody but unbowed. To me, do you want me with a bowed head? Uh, and lowered eyes. Do you want to see me broken? You know, I, that that to me, bloody but unbowed, broken with a bowed head. It's, it's very evocative yeah. to me of that yeah. poem, which is another sort of touchstone of mm-hmm. resilience. Yeah, I think she's probably writing against that in yeah. that instance for sure. Um, and in a lot of ways, I think "Still I Rise" is sort of an Invictus type poem. Yeah, yeah. Written by a black woman for a black right. woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and the other, I mean, this is an an obvious feature, but I think it's interesting, uh, and I think we'll especially be, um, when we think about the other poems that we've been talking about in other episodes, the direct address to the you is, is very notable in this poem. Yeah, definitely. And um, it's just, like, it's very intense, and especially... Uh, you know, when you think about the reader, it's it, that that insistence on the question, all of those questions that are posed to the you, those are also questions posed to the reader. And when you read it, you know, you are getting asked those questions. Um, whereas the poem could, I mean, just if, if the poem was only like all rise and you took out all of those yous, it would, it would still be an interesting poem, but um, it's, it's roping in of the other person who is doing this oppressive work. Yeah, um, I mean, just reading the first line, write me down in history with bitter twisted lies, trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust I'll rise. Yeah. It makes the point, but it's not as direct. It's mm-hmm. not as pointed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, it, it's, it's, and it works as well because, uh, like we've been talking about, it has this universal or at least kind of like epic scope um and yet it's formed as a one-to-one address um and i think i think that's that speaks to a lot of the power of this poem definitely um and that's why it still gets trotted out yeah in all sorts of different contexts i know that's great (laughs) (laughs) all right uh i'll read it again yeah 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 still i rise You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Because I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like moons and like suns with the certainty of tides, just like hopes springing high, still, I'll rise. Did you want to see me broken? bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops weakened by my soulful cries. Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awful hard, cause I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You may shoot me with your words, you may cut me with your eyes, you may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like air, I'll rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise that I dance like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. 
Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I'm a black ocean, leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I rise, I rise, I rise. Cool. Yeah, one other great part of this is just the, the, the rhyme scheme. I mean, it's a very sort of, uh, I would guess you could say traditional quatrain form. Fairly traditional, yeah. Um, but it, I think it works. And so in some ways it feels, it could feel, um, you know, it was written sort of like after free verse had sort of announced itself and everyone was fine with not rhyming. Right, um, the poem, just for reference, the poem I believe was written in 1978. Yeah. Um, when Maya Angelou was 50. Okay, that's good to know. There you go. Um, so it's a very deliberate choice to have rhyming quatrain. Um, and, you know, whereas, like, you know, if it was Shakespearean era, then no one would pay any attention to that, I think. Um, although there's work you can do with the rhyme. But anyway, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think that the rhyme scheme works specifically with the content of the poem just in the insistence of the rising. So, like, you know when you hear the certainty of the tides that the speaker is going to rise at the end of the quatrain. And you know when um, you may cut me with your eyes, you know that she's going to rise at the end. And right. so I think that's, that's an important formal move that, uh, that Angelo is doing here that I just wanted to uh, emphasize. All right, another successful episode of Close Talking. <laughs> for listening to this episode of Close Talking. You can follow us at facebook.com slash close talking. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash close talking. And please shoot us an email at close talking poetry at gmail.com. With any questions or thoughts about our previous podcasts or poetry suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Happy holidays from yours truly at Close Talking.